0: on the night that he was betrayed, the night we commemorate this evening, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples. And after the meal ended, before heading out to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was to be arrested, Matthew's Gospel tells us that they sang a hymn. The Passover custom was to sing from what are known as the Hallel Psalms, that is the Psalms of Praise, which are Psalms 113 through 118 in your English Bible. So it is quite possible, many think likely, that our text this evening from Psalm 116 was sung by Jesus and his disciples on the night he instituted the supper The psalm is certainly relevant to the Lord's Supper and to the coming suffering that Jesus was about to endure. I want to use this text as a meditation on what we'll call the three cups. So the first cup, the psalmist in this psalm, Psalm 116, just prior to our text, the reading which started at verse 12, just prior to that, he's experienced some kind of deliverance. He called upon God in a time of sorrow and distress. He faced a threat of death. The cords of death, he says, have entangled me. The anguish of the grave has come over me. And he cries, Lord, save me. And God was merciful. God heard his cry. And God, in his compassion, restored the psalmist to rest and safety, the text says. Thus, he says in verse 12, where our text starts, What shall I return to the Lord? Or how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? God's goodness has made him a debtor. And so in gratitude, he seeks to return, to offer up thanks and praise to God. God protects us, preserves us, he defends us. He pours his goodness out upon us in love. And so we might call this first cup the cup of God's goodness. It's a cup with wide dimensions, for it is poured out over the whole of our lives. Psalm 23 tells us that the Lord's goodness and his mercy follow us all the days of our life. Even the days of distress and terror like the psalmist faced. That same psalm says the Lord is our shepherd. He prepares a table before us in the very presence or the midst of life's enemies. He anoints our head with oil and our cup, the cup of God's goodness to us, overflows. Now, in the context of this cup, we come to another cup in verse 13. I will lift up the cup of salvation. And I will call on the name of the Lord. This cup has a very clear connection to that cup. Of which we will soon partake. But we'll come back to this particular cup. Because it's actually the third cup and not the second. Because between the cup of God's General and lavish goodness to us. The cup that runneth over in our lives. Between that cup and that cup of salvation lies a second cup. You might recall a little bit earlier in the Gospels, just before the night Jesus was betrayed, the mother of two of his disciples, the mother of James and John, comes and asked Jesus if her sons could sit at his right and at his left in his kingdom. And Jesus responds to the mother and to the two sons at the same time. And he says, you do not know what you are asking. And then Jesus asks them a question. Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink Here the cup, what I'm calling the second cup, refers to the unspeakable horrors that he's soon to suffer on Good Friday. The second cup is his destiny to drink as he bears the sins of the world as the spotless lamb of God. You might remember later in Gethsemane, In the midst of his anguish, sweating, we are told, great drops of blood. The text says that Jesus' soul was distressed. He said he was sorrowful even to the point of death. And the Lord's words there indicate revulsion. He sees the prospect uh, and the severity of what he's about to endure. And there, while his disciples keep falling asleep three times... Three times, in desperation, he prays to the Father, "My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. This cup lies between God's cup of goodness and creation to us and that cup of thanksgiving. Nevertheless, Jesus says, "Not as I will." but as thine will. So Jesus is already, even in the hours before the cross, he's already taking and drinking the second cup. But he'll drain it fully at the crucifixion. Because this cup, the cup of the Lord's passion, is also the cup of God's just wrath. God's hatred for and curse upon sin. It is the holy love of God saying no to human rebellion and dealing with it decisively in the person of his son. And it is our Lord's fidelity in drinking that cup, that agonizing cup, which makes that cup there on that table, the cup which memorializes his death, and makes us partakers of its benefits. It is Jesus' second cup of judgment which provides that cup to you as the cup of salvation. And Jesus expressly connects the two cups. At that same Passover meal, he gives thanks, he takes the bread, and he says, This is my body given. For you, And then he takes the cup and he gives thanks again and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. The cup of Jesus' suffering creates the cup of that table. And that table keeps the agony of Jesus and the salvation that flows from it alive in the church's memory and life to the end of the age. This is why the Apostle Paul says, when we come here, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I want to take a look at that third cup. In verse 13, it is the cup of salvation. The salvation procured by Jesus' drinking of the second cup. This cup here is meant to draw us into the mystery of the cross. You might remember the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians says, Is not the cup which we bless a communion in the blood of Christ? And here in our text, Psalm 116, in verse 17, the psalmist calls the cup of salvation a thank offering, a sacrifice of gratitude. So... The first cup is the cup of God's goodness. The second cup is the cup of God's grace in Jesus Christ. And the third cup is the cup of gratitude on that table. That table is a sacrifice, the psalmist says, of praise. It's not Christ being sacrificed again, but it is what our confessions call a spiritual oblation. A sacrifice of praise, of all possible praise to God for Christ's once-for-all sacrifice. For all of God's benefits to us, benefits in creation, benefits in redemption, we take that cup, the cup of salvation, and we offer up thanksgiving to God. This is what we are doing in the supper this is what we render, the psalmist says, to the Lord for all his goodness toward us. Now notice in verse 13 and verse 17, the psalmist says he will call upon the name of the Lord. And here, this phrase refers to public worship. Taking the cup of salvation, the cup of thanksgiving, is a public act. It's an act of the church. It's an act of the communion Of the saints. That cup gives us communion with Jesus, but also with one another. Jesus dies not only for you and me, he dies for us. And that cup declares that reality. You'll notice also verse 14 and verse 18 in the psalm are identical. And they refer to this action, this taking of the cup. They refer to it as taking place in the presence of all God's people. And in verse 19, it's expanded to include in the courts of the house of the Lord. So the psalmist is insistent that taking up the cup of salvation and offering this gratitude is a public corporate act of the church. And in both places in the text, the psalmist says, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. In the supper, we are fulfilling a vow. The vows which are entailed in Christian baptism. We vow here to live in the new covenant. We vow to cling to Christ. We vow to take up our cross and follow him. We vow to follow that pattern of self-emptying, that pattern of life, that pattern of lowliness, That pattern of drinking the second cup. The psalmist sees taking up that cup of salvation as taking a public oath. So, in verse 16, he says, Truly, I am your servant, Lord. There's a kind of branding of yourself as God's servant when you come to the table. We are stating... We are servants of the one who became our servant when he drank that agonizing cup. But notice the service in view in Psalm 116 is not bondage, it's paradoxically perfect freedom. In being bound, chained as slaves to Christ, we are, the psalmist says at the end of verse 16, loosed or freed from our chains. Pledging ourselves there is the deepest form of liberation. And in the middle of this reflection on this cup, the psalmist inserts a somewhat puzzling verse. It's verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. He had been, after all, delivered from death. But had he died, his death, like the death of all God's people, would have been noted and precious in the eyes of the Lord. But in the context of this night, of how this psalm comes to fulfillment in Jesus, and the way the text focuses on that cup, I'd like to suggest another way of looking at verse 15. There's a large... Segment of the church historically has read verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. They have read it as referring to martyrdom. Martyrdom. Now this is not nearly as strange as it might at first seem. The cup of thanksgiving, that cup is the cup which calls us to daily little martyrdoms. And it may... It often has, and it still does, call those who drink it, who vow there publicly to live out the new covenant, it often calls them to actual martyrdom. After all, the Apostle Paul says, we are all to be poured out as drink offerings. Martyrdom is entailed in partaking of the supper. So the death of Jesus... His drinking of his cup makes our deaths pledged in drinking that cup precious in the Lord's sight. His precious blood makes our blood, even our bloody deaths, precious. This is why this is a public vow-taking act where we are pledging ourselves To deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. He is the martyr. You pledge to be martyrs in union with the martyr at the table. You might recall in that conversation with James and John, the one I mentioned earlier, when Jesus said, are you able to drink the cup? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? You might remember what Jesus says to them next. He says, and you will drink my cup. All the disciples of Christ, in drinking of that cup, that third cup, pledge to drink of Jesus' dreadful second cup. So, This is the cup of salvation. This is the cup of thanksgiving. And yes, with everything we've said, it is still the cup of joy. Yes, it's dreadful joy. It's glorious joy. It's mysterious joy. It's joy in the shape of the cross, cruciform joy. It's everlasting and indestructible resurrection joy. This, beloved, is the text. And note well, not just Jesus, but the text which Jesus and James and John and the others quite possibly sang as he went forth to drink his cup. Let us be its singers as well. Amen. Amen.